Hey, welcome to Minute to Win It, the podcast where we take a minute of a film. We have an idea about that film. We take that minute, we look at every bit of it, and then we use it to talk about the thing we think about the film. My name's Nathan. I'm from the Off 5 And I'm Jeff. I'm just here. <laughs> well, you know, the holidays are coming up, and I thought for possibly the inaugural episode of this podcast, we could do a Christmas time episode with a little movie called Christmas with the Cranks. And what a Christmas movie it is. Um, yes. I feel in the spirit already. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> How many times have you seen this film before? I've seen it one time. I watched it just over a week ago, and I I thought it might be fun to watch a movie where it's a little bit on the cynical side, you know, a movie where there's something fun going on. And I knew this movie was based on a book called Skipping Christmas, surprisingly by John Grisham of legal legalese fame. That's what I was most surprised to discover. I did not expect John Grisham to have written a Tim Allen comedy movie or the story that a Tim Allen Christmas movie is based on. That's right. That's why I call it The Christmas with the Cranks. Honestly, if he were to write any Christmas Tim Allen movie, I would have assumed the Santa Claus based on his legal background. True. And uh, Santa Claus, not a perfect film, but you know, it's a, it's a curve and we'll find out where on the curve this movie is. It was written by Chris Columbus, the director of Home Alone and first two Harry Potters, something like that. At, at least the first one. The first yeah, two Home Alones, at least. Chris Columbus, kind of like the understudy of, I always considered Robert Zemeckis, which kind of the understudy of Steven Spielberg <laughs> for a while. <laughs> That's the lineage I have sense. in my head. And directed by Joe Roth. Uh, Joe Roth. Here, let's let's see what some things that a Joe Roth has done. I'm certainly unfamiliar. That's, is it any relation to Tim Roth? I would hope, but no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pulling up that page so i've never done this before i usually look up people by their imdb page you know yeah but in this case i accidentally clicked on the uh rotten tomatoes link for joe roth which is similar except it shows all the rotten tomato scores oh no (laughs) yeah he's a producer mostly produces and directs and it's just it's just a nightmare just going through all of the rotten movies. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, Alice Through the Looking Glass, The Huntsman, Winter's War. I think he produces a lot of sequels. <laughs> <laughs> but then the one-two punch of Miracles from Heaven and Heaven is for Real. Oh, he did the first <laughs> Maleficent as well. <laughs> Oz, Great and Powerful, Snow White and the Huntsman, Night and Day, Alice in Wonderland. Okay, I take that back. He did the first of all those. But these are all bad movies. Freedom Land, Unfinished Life, Forgotten, Mona Lisa Smile, Hollywood Homicide, Daddy Daycare, Anger Management. It just goes on and on and on. I was hoping there would be something I could like even say is a good movie in there, but nothing sticks out. (laughs) Well, so he has some that have a positive review that he was a producer on, like Enemy is a Love Story, Dead Ringers, and then While You Were Sleeping is the one movie that's actually super fresh oh wait the great debaters too hmm. he was the one that suggested changing the name from the master debaters oh well yeah. that's yeah. surprising based on his other films i feel like that's, yeah um okay well anyway it's starring tim allen home improvement fame plus buzz lightyear and uh, the santa claus aforementioned jamie lee curtis you know her from such films as the halloween she's a 
prominent scream queen, most recently Knives Out. Knives Out, a great movie. She was also in The Freaky Friday. And Dan Aykroyd, who was in The Blues Brothers, The Ghostbusters, The... Um, what else was he in? Um, the Evolution? I feel like there's a lot of other uh, Bill Murray type stuff or SNL. Uh, dirty Rot... No. Down... Dirty shame. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, you know, he just plays the neighbor, so not a big deal. He's not in this minute anyway. Um, uh, well, we're truly missing out for that. So let's go straight into the minute. We'll uh, we'll start it. We'll talk about everything that happens in this minute, and then we'll get to my point, <laughs> which is that Christmas the Cranks is a narcissistic fever dream of a film, a plot that you might imagine if you had narcissism or were just a regular typically developing junior high student where you think everyone is paying attention to what you're doing and that the smallest things are the biggest things. So Tim Allen gets an inflated sense of self-importance that may not be deserved. It's like, imagine a movie where someone decides to do something like in this movie, skipping Christmas. And then you think, well, what will the neighbors think? And what the neighbors think is everything. (laughs) They can't stop thinking and talking about what you were doing. Every day that you're not celebrating Christmas is an affront to them. That's right. This is a neighborhood. You have to participate in the (laughs) Judeo-Christian rituals. Who doesn't know each and every one of their neighbors? You know, when I said Judeo-Christian, I I really just meant Christian. (laughs) Well, uh, Hanukkah sort of wraps into them, right? (laughs) Yeah, sure. It's all the, it's all the carolers apology. were concerned that they could be Jewish. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Which would excuse them for not having their house lit up or a frosty on top. We'll talk about it. Would it? Would it really? <laughs> um, yeah. If you don't know the plot of Christmas with the Cranks, congratulations. Don't seek it out. The movie is about <laughs> Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis. Their daughter decides to go join the Peace Corps and to Peru and they're sad about this. So Tim Allen has a great idea that instead of spending, I think it's something like $6,000 on Christmas, like they usually yeah. do. Why don't they go on a cruise? Seems a better use of their money. I'm on yeah. their side. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how you would spend $6,000 on Christmas, but if you do, then going on a cruise is savings. And so they're going to go on a cruise. Well, leaving if you're compelled to by your whole neighborhood, you kind of have to. Yeah. And that's it. Just, because Tim Allen is like, we're not doing Christmas. This results with them telling everyone they know about this. Because apparently, before, they were the biggest Christmas people. They had the Christmas Eve party. The Christmas Eve party. They bought the Christmas tree and the, they bought invitations to go to their Christmas party. I mean, what a, I, that's a big thing. If like the whole neighborhood comes to your house for Christmas Eve, everyone has to celebrate Christmas Eve and no one else is throwing a party. Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, hence he may have already had just some narcissistic symptoms to begin with from everyone else flocking to him. That's right. So this couple decides they're not going to do it because their daughter's not going to be there. What's the point? Why even Christmas? Which actually makes perfect sense because your kid's not there. But (laughs) as it turns out, everyone cares. They fight for a long time. And that brings us to our minute. So... This is about 29 minutes in, uh, maybe a quarter of the way into this movie or something. It's a pretty long movie, I feel. <laughs> no, it just feels long. <laughs> Felt like I it was think you're just under a third. Years long. <laughs> it's just over an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. So this to let me set the scene here. 
we're at the tanning salon called Tans Forever. It's in the Oakfield Mall. Jamie Lee Curtis is bleeding from her head because a stranger walked in. So she hit her head on the tanning bed. The reason they're tanning is because they're going on a cruise and you go tanning before the cruise, apparently. <laughs> they don't want to be too pasty white. That's right. You got to have a good base. Otherwise, you'll <laughs> like fry. A yeah, like a lobster or a chicken nugget. And their local priest, as well as just a bunch of other citizens that were walking around, have all gathered around the door while Jamie Lee Curtis bleeds out of her face in a bikini and because she's tanning, waiting. And which tanning salon doesn't have the front desk just open to the mall? <laughs> That's right. And yeah, the priest is Christmas shopping, but everyone else has just walked up. They're like, what is that lady doing? <laughs> because apparently, well, I don't know. But they're waiting for the extremely tan receptionist to find a bandit. Okay, so here's the minute beginning. And Jamie Lee Curtis is explaining to the priest that everything is fine, even though they're skipping Christmas. And so she says, everything is fine and everything is completely normal. You know, because word gets around, priest heard from a very reliable source that they're skipping Christmas. It's concerning. Then Tim Allen joins her, also in a Speedo himself, to check on her. He's got a little blue Speedo. <laughs> and he says, attendant, said you were bleeding. Are you all right? Uh, and then the priest says, Luther. And Tim Allen says, hey there, Father Zabrinsky. Hey. Hey, where does this <laughs> organ stink? Then there's this organ sting that comes in like, duh. This scene is setting up this reality where the the priest is like ogling Jamie Lee Curtis, but it's not really clear whether or not it's in disgust or pleasure. But he just can't stop staring at her body like, why are you standing in here in Christmas time at the tanning salon? He's both judgmental and pervy, and it's mm -hmm. not addressed in either fashion. It's not. Although Tim Allen's tone when he says, hey is weird it's like <laughs> semi-defensive also semi-casual really i feel sure. like there was more script there that they edited out i think you could be right it sounds like he was about to say something else didn't it because <laughs> it ends in a very just abrupt scene fade out transition straight to an establishing shot of the neighborhood the paper boys throwing the newspaper it's idyllic and tim joins jamie lee curtis in their bedroom to show her the big news literally it's the front page of the wednesday <laughs> journal <laughs> i hope they have a newspaper named for every day of the week <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're all different seven newspapers in this town so they have the headline is skipping christmas hey that's the name of the book <laughs> by john grisham this article was written i didn't see who wrote it but that would have been a fun little uh, nod to <laughs> that trivia it was also written by Lorem Ipsum. <laughs> so this paper, the front page, has a photo on it that is them at the tanning salon standing where we just saw them. Like somebody took a photo of them while they were talking to them right in their face. And, and this is before cell phones were everywhere. Someone had to have a very obvious camera. Yeah. They were like, hold the presses. <laughs> and then ran to the newspaper. And the couple is still in Speedos and Bikini, plastered on the front page. It's insane. I, I cracked up when I saw them on the paper, but I'm not sure. Like, in the reality of this movie, I don't feel like that was one of the jokes. They weren't concerned about it. <laughs> like, They're just like, oh boy. And so this uh, this paper, I screenshotted the, the papers. So there's a picture of them, you know, 
Tim t- looking tan, Jamie Lee Curtis not. I didn't know tanning salons worked that fast, but sure. I was very surprised. <laughs> they were in like two minutes. It says underneath, Luther and Nora Crank are as bare as their Christmas tree at Tans Forever in the Oak Hills Mall. <laughs> the article, oh. Skipping Christmas, oh, it's by Kurt Corwin. So okay. once uh, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis sees this, she starts reading the story and she says, the home of Mr. and Mrs. Luther Crank is rather dark this Christmas. While their neighbors on Hemlock Street are decorating and preparing for Santa, the Cranks are skipping Christmas. They're preparing for a cruise, according to an unnamed source. (laughs) Who said that? No tree, no lights, no Frosty up on the roof, and the only house on Hemlock to keep Frosty in the basement. How do they know where Frosty is? I don't know. They have spies everywhere. That's what Tim says. So... And it goes in to say that this neighborhood wins things for their for their uh, decoration. The street decoration. Right. And uh, it goes on to just have personal criticisms clearly given by one bitter person. <laughs> clearly the person lives across from them. The old man. Also in Knives Out. It could be, it could be Dan Aykroyd. It could be, but, <laughs> but I don't think so. So it says, I hope they're satisfied now. Here's some other things that it says on the article that we don't hear in the yeah i'm very curious so hemlock street in past years has defined the true spirit of christmas spearheaded by hemlock's most active neighbor vic frohmeyer quote it's dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yep quote it's no contest we pull together work hard and have a lot of fun doing it so in part winning comes easy hemlock has consistently beat out other streets like the popular reindeers on elm or dancing snowflakes on maple every year it just gets better well except this year as he turns to a certain house on Hemlock Street. As a final and ironic note, we all wonder what Mr. and Mrs. Luther Crank's Christmas-spirited daughter, Blair, who has gone to Peru, would say. Oh, they invoke her, their daughter. Low blow. And it's visible at first, but then they go up, and you see at the top of the newspaper is a picture of the street with their house not lit up. This is stalker-like behavior from this neighbor <laughs> and this newspaper. Well, they they do comment on that, and that the the neighbor across the street had to have allowed the photographer on his roof to get get that shot. Yeah, this is the era before drones. This is the day after they were at the tanning salon. So, yeah, how do they know where Frosty is? They have spies everywhere. This is this is my point. This movie does not take place in a real world. It takes place in a mental construction of what you imagine your own self importance to be. Where you can decide to cancel Christmas for no real reason and have everyone comment on it, which is like, whatever, the neighbors are all talking about it. I think that's crazy. But then to elevate it where the newspaper itself thinks this is worth the top two photos and the main headline for the entire issue is about this one family who's not celebrating Christmas. Well, you know, they say that not everyone thinks about you as much as you do yourself, but this suggests otherwise. Well, the other people don't have lives. They're like, well, we're just poorly written characters in a movie. What are we supposed to worry about? (laughs) We're worried you don't have Frosty up on your house. So this movie gives you a lot of feelings. Well, I should say it gave me a lot of feelings when I watched it. Anxiety, (laughs) paranoia, skepticism, disgust. It didn't give me the feelings I feel like I was supposed to get. Excitement, heartwarming, laughter. Community. (laughs) Community, right. Family. It really, the importance of Christmas, even though strangely for a movie about Christmas, God is never mentioned. That's true. 
outside of the existence of the priest, Christmas is only a holiday in the sense of decorations and consumerism. Yes, that's true. But the movie also doesn't even call the consumerism out. It, it's weird. When he decides to skip Christmas, it's because he walks into a store to get chocolate or fudge while it's raining. Uh, a man dressed as Santa offers him an umbrella multiple times. And then apparently this whole incident enrages him so much he decides to skip Christmas. <laughs> seems really misdirected. But the problem is, if you are an active member of your community... And you're a really big fan of Christmas. It feels like you would need a reason to skip it. And they don't have one. They don't have a reason they can tell people that like they're not even saying the people say it's because of the money, but they don't actually say that. So it's like if you're going to disrupt all these people for no reason, it's weird. And you think he could make a lot of reasons about why one would want to skip Christmas, but then those would be anti-Christmassy and they wouldn't want them in the movie. Well, there's you'd think maybe empty nest syndrome or having the daughter gone. Yeah, Christmas is for kids, and when you're an adult and your daughter's gone, you can go on a cruise and not feel guilty about it. Well, you should be able to, but not on Hemlock Drive. Their banning of Christmas extends more than just not putting up Frosty. It's like they can't even listen to carolers. Or they can't talk to people that say no Christmas. There's another scene earlier where Tim Allen writes a memo on his computer at work about how he's skipping Christmas. He takes the memo, he prints it out, and walks around the office giving everyone paper copies of it. And as each person gets one, they read it for like half a second and then look up in disgust. Like, what is this <laughs> man doing? What a Grinch. I have no idea how my coworkers will be spending their holidays at all. No one does. Let alone memos. <laughs> yeah. The memo that you write on your computer and then print out. Oh, and he's also an accountant and he does everything on one of those... Uh, calculators that types everything <laughs> strip of paper while you're doing it <laughs> but he's an accountant at a, like with a big computer at a firm was he gonna staple this to a document this is like what a manager does at the end of a shift like not not what the accountant does at a business right well the, some businesses are afraid of change and 2004 was um, not the year for new calculators word processors that's true it was a long time ago I should stop shaming so, Do they even have Microsoft Excel? Who knows? Who knows? Do they have Google Sheets? They definitely didn't. I mean, I feel like we've always had Google Sheets. Google's always been with us. In our hearts. Sure. <laughs> Though, there's other things going on in this movie. I feel like this movie cops out. Let me just say, the first less than half of the movie, when they're trying to skip Christmas, is the only interesting yep. part. <laughs> Completely agree. When they When they switch back to the daughter, turns out she's coming home. Uh, suddenly the day of Christmas Eve she tells them he'll be so there that night yeah. and they have to switch gears and everything they've done they have to undo which of course means they're late for all the preparations but that's not nearly as interesting that's that's every other Christmas movie exactly and it's it's just like what if you had to do Christmas really quickly that's every Christmas movie trope is like we're out of time we didn't get the toy in time we didn't have din dinner ready it's so weird is how fragile they think that this grown daughter of theirs who's gone to college and is now working in the Peace Corps, her mental state is so fragile that they can't even tell her they weren't going to make her favorite dessert, even though she just told them they were coming home. They're like, of course we're making your favorite dessert for us, not for you. She also just told them she's planning on getting married to a guy that they didn't know she was dating. Yes. Uh, and she must have only been dating in the past couple months. I not 100% sure, but I think this movie takes place over about a month and a half. It's So they drop her off for Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. 
she's leaving on Thanksgiving, and then so it's the, that time frame of Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's in between holidays, a month and a half at best. Then, <laughs> and yeah, so she goes away. They like they can't think they're going to talk to her. She keeps calling them from phone planes, from plane <laughs> which are very expensive. Right. <laughs> it's just. It's just ridiculous. So the second half of the movie isn't fun at all. It's just them trying to to make a Christmas thing, like we say. But they also cop out. Like, there's this scene where Tim Allen is hauling Frosty up onto the roof because he's going to put it up finally. He's hauling it up with a noose, a literal big rope noose-tied noose. <laughs> Around Frosty's neck. Around its neck. And he's going up the... Sl- You're thinking, this is... Oh, and then you see... Dan Aykroyd and his family, oh, they're putting a Frosty. Let's go out there. The neighborhood gathers to watch and offer help, which he refuses on the slippery roof at night. The comedy potential of this is moderate, <laughs> but like you know exactly what joke is coming, right? Yeah, he's going to slip. Frosty's going to fall and looks like he's hanging Frosty and the kids will be mortified. Because everyone thinks, oh, man, what's he doing with Frosty? No one knows that he's not skipping Christmas yet. And they're like, he's lynching frosty like he's he's hanging frosty up by the neck until dead he's finally had enough here's what does happen he starts to slip he's holding frosty up on the you know those roofs that are pointy at the top they're standing on the top of that he's trying to balance 100 pound snowman on top and surprisingly it's not going well he's uh, pushing it back the eyes of frosty start turning into hellfire frosty is very angry frosty was kept by the furnace for so long (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he's now become part of the furnace. This is a real thing that happens in this movie. So he finally slips. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Frosty, <laughs> off the roof, smashes into a million pieces. <laughs> Noose somehow no longer attached to Frosty at all. Now it's touched to, attached to Tim Allen, but attached to his leg. And, and wrapped all around him. Then he falls and he's hanging from it like a Christmas vacation or something. And then everyone comes to help him down. So... I feel like this is another case where they had a different thing planned and they reshot it. Maybe it was too much. I think so. I never got... Like, it wasn't just that it, the rope was tied around his neck. The rope was tied in a noose knot. Yeah, he had a noose. He, like, uh, like grabbed this, you know, twine, like, this giant... It's it's a noose rope. It's like a ship rope. Like, like nobody even has <laughs> rope like that at their house. It's not for anything at your house. And why is the only knot you need to tie a noose? Or worse, why is it already tied in a noose? The only way to halt, like, how does he get frosty up there normally? <laughs> I know people are offering to help, but it doesn't really help when you have a house that's this tall. Anyway, it's so unsatisfying to have that happen, to have, like, all the reasons for them skipping Christmas be so weak that later on when they back up on him, everyone's like, well, what about... What about your cruise? And they're like, yeah, I know. Well, the cruise was stupid, I guess. And once they decide that they're going to have Christmas and the whole community gathers in to help them because they all love Blair, their daughter, I feel like they keep trying to introduce more drama with the the robber. Right. There's a robber picked up by Cheech and uh, Gary Busey's son. Jake Busey's. From from, uh, uh, Starship Troopers. Exactly. It's the only place I know with the green violin. And they appear like four different times in this movie. They're the only cops in the neighborhood. That's another thing. The movie can't decide whether or not it's taking place in a big city or the smallest town. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Where everyone is everybody, except sometimes the cops don't know everybody, but other times they do. And the cops are so unbusy that the only things they do in this movie are go around, pedal their calendars, try to 
interrupt a guy stealing a Christmas tree. It's Tim Allen. <laughs> He's borrowing it, but he didn't have permission. They also say that they don't know who Spike is until the 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 kid from Malcolm in the Middle plays Dan Aykroyd's son, and they, they don't seem to know him. However, he somehow has a direct walkie-talkie line to the cops from then on. He just has a ham radio in his house that he's able to get on the cops' frequency. It's ridiculous. And they're like, hey, kid, I told you to get off this frequency. And he's like, you got to stall. They're not ready yet for the party. It's like their daughter's so emotionally fragile that she comes home and she's like, and the party wasn't even 100% done yet. <laughs> Go straight back to I Peru. feel like they weren't even planning a big Christmas for me that I told them about <laughs> six hours ago. That she wasn't going to go to. She's like, part of being an, an adult is if your parents were like, uh, you know, we're just, we're going to go out of town for Christmas. You wouldn't be like, you're not home. Like, you know, <laughs> you're in Peru. <laughs> you're not home. Jeez. Uh, that Maybe that's just how some single kids were raised. Single children. Yeah. I'm interested in reading this book. I probably won't, but. I'm hoping it's a little more cynical and and fun than this movie. And I can't imagine the person that wrote this movie's connection to reality. I feel like the book would definitely have more more satire. There seems like there's a lot of satire that's available there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of just good tongue-in-cheek comedy. Uh, You know, kind of an anti-Christmas carol. Right. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking for like to empathize with Scrooge when he doesn't want to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, when everyone else wants him to. But eventually the movie shows how the pleasures of conformity really are so much sweeter than a Caribbean cruise. And also something about generosity because someone, you know. Well, Tim Allen still was somewhat resentful. He didn't get to go on his cruise. He was. So then Tim Allen walks across the street with uh, this ham. He's walking across the street. I, I think I don't even know if you see the ham yet, but he's walking across the street to the neighbor he's been fighting with the whole time. And and his wife has cancer. And so he's walking over there. Everyone that I was watching the movie with is like, oh, they're going to give them the cruise um, because it's pre 9-11, but it's not. But <laughs> cruises, those flights are not going to transfer. But anyway, they leave the next day. So they're walking over there and everyone's like, oh, they're going to give them the cruise. He walks over there, tries to give him a ham. They say they don't like ham. They can't eat it. He says, well, it's not really ham. <laughs> then, so it's fine. <laughs> he walks back out in the middle of the street, contemplates everything for what felt like five minutes. Then he goes back and gives him the cruise. Stop <laughs> wasting our time. We know what the right thing to do is, movie. I was most upset that when it took them so long to realize, well, if we go on the cruise, someone will have to watch the cat. <laughs> And they keep referring it to it as the cat. Like, why wouldn't they use the cat's name? <laughs> the cat that was early on in the movie, frozen completely solid with animated eyeballs looking around. And constantly stepped on by Tim Allen. Yeah, which he's not actually getting stepped on. Don't worry, animal lovers. It's just a sound effect of a cat going, Row! that they play multiple times in this movie. Every sound effect in this movie is ridiculous. Every time someone like, and you something, it's like, you know, it's like, whoop, whoop. Every time someone slips and stuff, it's ridiculous. Oh, yes. Yeah, the over-the-top stuff. The slipping on the ice. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it became way too cartoonish. Yeah. A cartoon that nobody wants to watch. Well, what did you think of this movie? I know you rewatched it for the podcast. I, I I was hoping for more, especially going into watching it and realizing it was based on something of John Grisham. Mm-hmm. That just sounds, that's a name that has a lot of uh, weight behind it. Yeah. 
This movie did not. No, it didn't. So sad. Like, I feel like there was a lot of potential here and they pulled out everything that could have been great about it, replaced it with slapstick and schmaltz just so it would be more likable. 5% it got. It's a couple percent more than I would have imagined, but... What rating do you think this movie would have had if they had kept the skipping Christmas thing going the whole time? Because it's over... I looked more than half. I mean, it's less than halfway through the movie, so they don't even start like skipping Christmas till like ten minutes in. It doesn't last that long, and then and then it's over for the rest. Of the yeah, I, I, at some point when they'd already switched gears, they still had more than an hour left, and I thought, what left is there to say about this movie? The premise is already over, right? And it's in a movie you have to have stakes, and the stakes of getting away with skipping Christmas are nonsense but they're fun the stakes of pulling off a holiday party so your daughter's feelings aren't hurt are not real this is not a real thing <laughs> nobody cares about this <laughs> watching them try to like well but where are we gonna get the turkey well i got an extra turkey great bring it over like <laughs> easy like just for movie for people that love organizing i oh, love watching a plan come together i mean it could be more of a niche film than we realized maybe there's another but weird I mean, plot going on where there's this man also not introduced until like way into the movie, maybe more than halfway. This old man gets invited to the party because he knows everyone's names. He knows. I assume he was just like an alcoholic hobo. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to think. But like a creepy one because he knows their daughter's name when she says my daughter. They invite him. Nobody knows who he is. And it turns out he's the Santa Claus that was selling umbrellas at the beginning of the movie. Which still does not explain why he knows their daughter's name or anyone's name. It still sounds a little creepy. And also seems like Christmas Eve would be a big day for him. Like a big dressing up as Santa day. But no, he has time to hang out at the liquor store and at these relative strangers' houses. Having great conversations. <laughs> I, I don't know what to think about him. I mean, I guess you have to always inject into some kind of Christmas movie. You have to inject someone who turns out they were Santa the whole time. Hmm. Because of the credits, you know, he fly, he drives his Volkswagen Beetle away, it looked like, with reindeer pulling him above the city eventually. Oh my god. I when the credits occurred. <laughs> so he became the real Santa, which you're almost required to put in a movie like this. Script writing 101. Have that guy, the real Santa, have something to do with the Christmas spirit of this movie. Like, maybe he's the one that shows them that they should celebrate Christmas, not... Just he shows up later after they've already decided it while they're buying booze. Like, what the? This movie has, it makes no sense. Nothing in this movie is good. It's a bad movie. I would, I would recommend if you're looking for a Tim Allen Hollywood movie, I count five other options. Okay. Well, you have Christmas from Hollywood. Tim Allen? Um, well, a number of people, but yes, this was the year before Christmas with the Cranks. You have Christmas from Hollywood. It was really a golden era for terrible movies, huh? And of course, the Santa Claus and its two sequels. I don't think I saw the third and one. Something, and something called El Camino Christmas. Oh, yeah. The Breaking Bad spinoff. Spinoff. That's what I thought. With the spinoff, when they go into the Christmas, Christmas version of the spinoff. Yeah. Oh, man. The scene where Walter White walks in carrying the, the roasted ham for everyone. <laughs> I, I cheered up. I am the one who jingles. Yeah. And, then, and then Gus... Uh, slice the roast beast with the box cutter. <laughs> That's right. <Good. laughs> As he is known to do. Uh, who wants dessert? Pl uh, platter of blue crystals all crushed up. 
Just kidding. It's rock candy. Oh, no, that was the other batch. This after party is going to be crazy. Jesse, what did you do? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know if this was a good movie to talk about, but it was one of those movies where I think if you turn off your brain, it's fine. And if you turn on your brain, it's maddening. (laughs) If if you need a family-friendly movie with an unfriendly family, then this will work for the Christmas holidays. That's what, whenever people put on a movie that they're like okay watching and then they get to hear me ask questions in bafflement the whole time i think it always kind of ruins the mood but if you're interested in checking this movie i would say turn it on watch it for as long as you can and when you think it's starting to get bad turn it off and don't worry about what happens at the end because it's more boring than you could possibly imagine just get cranking that's right i really liked christmas with the crank three. Oh wait there's only two of them huh Christmas with the cranks? Uh, uh, with Jason Statham. It's a movie where oh, where Jason yes. Statham has to hold a surprise Christmas party for his returning daughter. And if he stops organizing it, he'll die. And then the Christmas lights were turned on to too high a voltage. That's right. In the sequel, he has to keep running around. He's like trying to get everything organized, but he also has to keep getting juice from different like outlets. And stuff like he that. has to string all the Christmas lights together from house to house. Yeah. That was beautiful. And brought a tear to my eye. That's the true meaning of Christmas. I think that's right. Well, I think we talked about Christmas with the Cranks. Do you think we talked about Christmas with the Cranks? I think we talked about it longer than they maintained their premise. (laughs) I think we talked about it longer than it took to write that film. (laughs) Um, Thanks for listening. I'm sorry, Jeff, that you watched that movie. I'm sorry to myself as well. I'm sorry for you for listening to this podcast. It's okay. I, I... been working on that just getting through all the jamie lee curtis films after seeing knives out so it it played into it i'm sure it was coming up eventually (laughs) so christmas with the cranks it's on netflix we really really recommend you watch knives out instead (laughs) (laughs) great holiday movie (laughs) the best the true meaning of christmas is shared by all um thanks for listening to maybe this is the first episode and email us at minute to win it podcast at gmail.com if you have an idea for a movie you'd like us to cover merry christmas jeff happy holidays ho 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 oh what you said the fact that nobody in this whole neighborhood is not christian is crazy (laughs) who would skip christmas it's like a lot of people a lot of people yeah they're not skipping it they just don't celebrate it grow up How did they get into this neighborhood? I'm sure the HOA would have some things to say about them. 